God has made himself known to us. God has spoken to us. He has said, listen, I created you. I have a plan for you. I want you to understand that plan so that you can live it out, so that you can experience what I created you to be about. That deep longing in each one of our hearts, God wants us to find the answer to that this morning. Well, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 26. You know, all over the world, the United States, our nation is known for freedom. For the most part, within reason, we are able to make our own choices. We're able to live, to pursue, to enjoy, to make choices, to live our lives the way we'd like to. It's really one of the foundational ideas for the United States. In fact, didn't it all start with the Declaration of what? The Declaration of Independence. You better believe it, buddy. We're independent, right? And we're declaring it right now. It's part of the greatness of our country, something much of the world has never truly experienced, but looks to America as an example for. You know, that's become more and more real to me in the last few years of my life. As we look at 9-11, as we look at the Iraq War that our country's involved with personally, being exposed to other cultures and seeing that, that everywhere is not like America, everywhere does not have the opportunities that we have, the freedoms that we have as I'm beginning to raise a family and seeing my children and hoping that my kids can grow up enjoying the naivety that I had growing up of just that, that it's just like this. But that's not true, is it? It's not like this all over the world. Even living in a very historical area like we live in. I love it. I love the Revolutionary War stuff and just thinking about how much of what our country is about started. I mean, I'm talking right here. We're talking right in this area. All that together has caused me to appreciate our freedoms more and more. But living in a country like that, though, can sometimes cause us to take independence too far. We might begin to think, we're Americans. We don't need anybody else. We're all set. We can make it on our own. We might think that's what the world, that's what our country expects. That's what a good citizen of our country that's the kind of attitude that they would have. Or we might go in a different direction. There are many people today that, that think nobody needs them. That everybody just kind of lives their own lives and, and, and that I'm not really that big an impact on anybody else's life. Well, that's why we're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning because we've been studying about spiritual gifts. By the way, do you have your Bible with you this morning? I want to challenge you to bring your Bible with you to church. Don't feel bad if you don't have one. Uh, we can help you get one, or if you didn't bring one. But, but bring your Bible with you so you can turn to these passages, and somebody next to you can help you with that, or you know, mark these things and write notes in your Bible and begin to use your Bible as your training manual, amen, as your user's guide to life. We've been studying our user's guide, and we've been studying about spiritual gifts. We've learned that when we accept Christ as our Savior, when God makes us part of His family, He gives us assignments. He gives us roles. He gives us a part to play in order for His work to be carried out in this world. And those assignments, He gives us abilities to carry them out, and we call those spiritual gifts. Last time we began opening our spiritual gifts by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and we saw the continuation in 1 Corinthians 12 of a theme that we've been learning together in Ephesians 4. And the general gist of that idea is that the work that God does through our lives, He intends for us to be united in that effort. He intends for us to be connected, that I'm not out there on my own, but God expects me to be a part of a family and for this family to be united. But we don't need to take that to mean that we're all the same. 
There's a lot of variety. There's a lot of diversity in God's work. And so we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. We see that, that emphasized even more. God just continues to pound away. He must be trying to tell us something. Amen? He must be trying to really say to us, through Ephesians it's clear, through 1 Corinthians 12 it's clear, you are different, but be together. That's a whole other message that we could focus on. We have already, but let's look at verses 12 through 14. kind of leads into where we're going today. It says, For even as the body is one, and yet has many members. Now, because you're a part of a church or you've been involved in a church, you take that member thing, you, you, you translate it into something else. But it, think about a body. Even though the body is one and yet has many members, what is he saying? Has many parts, right? Has many pieces, has many limbs to it. And all the parts, if I can say it that way, all the parts of the body... Though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Again, here in the middle of what he's teaching, he emphasizes that point again. It must be that God's trying to explain that to us. But then I want us to look more closely at verses 15 through 26 because I believe this is going to help us to open up those spiritual gifts just a little bit more. And the first thing I want us to look at in verses 15 through 20 is that when we're talking about spiritual gifts, you need to realize that others need your spiritual gifts. Others need your spiritual gifts. If it says in verse 15 through 20, it says, If the foot says, Because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. I mean, my foot can say all day, I don't want to be a part of Robbie. Guess what? Tough. You're part of the body, right? I can say it all day. If the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing... Where would the sense of smell be? Now, God has placed the members, the body parts, each one of them in the body just as He desired. If they were all one member, if they were all one body part, where would the body be? But now there are many members, many parts, but one body. You know, it breaks my heart to know today that many of you, at least at some point in your life and maybe even today, Many people in this room probably believe that their life is not truly very important. Why would anybody ever think that their life is not significant? Well, did you know we have an enemy? And his name is Satan. You know what? I don't even capitalize his name in my notes. I put little s because that's what I think about him. My God is in control of Satan. But also realize that Satan is powerful. And you know what he does? He likes to drag us down. He likes to destroy us. He loves to lie to us. The Bible says in John 8, he's the father of lies. He started the whole lie deal. And he loves to tell us, you are no good. And many times, you know what we do? We listen to his garbage. And as a result of that, many people in this room right now have a low view of yourself because of that voice in your, in your head, in your heart. But also, there's the viewpoint of others. I cannot tell you how many people that I talk to on a weekly basis that a parent, that a boyfriend or girlfriend, or that a spouse or somebody else, that apparently they take as important in their life because they listen to it, how many people have been treated by somebody else as not being valuable? How many people in this room has somebody told you that you're not worth anything? 
And how many times when people tell us that, we take it. We believe it. We begin to think we are truly not very significant to anybody, definitely not to God. And we've heard that garbage so much. When God decides to do a work in our heart, many times, and and many of you right now are struggling. We've been talking about significance. We've been talking about how God works in every person's life. And as much as you see that in print, as much as God emphasizes it over and over, many of you say, yeah, but, right? In your head, you say, parentheses, except me. That's what happens, doesn't it? That's why we need to study God's Word. That's why we need to come to church. That's why we need to, friends, we're going to find this in Ephesians in just a little bit as we go through Ephesians. We need to encourage one another. We need to build each other up because we're getting enough tearing down from other sources. And we need to learn the truth. And the truth is, listen, the truth is, you don't have to believe it, but the truth is when God saves you, He gives you significance. He gives you a role to play, and He gives you gifts that you can carry out that role. And whatever your role is, the Bible says that they are just as important as anybody else's. Again, there you go with the parentheses, don't you? Not mine. That's what you said. But the Bible says that yours are just as critical as anybody else's. Look at the struggle in verses 15 through 20. The foot saying, well, I'm not a hand. So I'm not a part of the body. They could say that all day, but it's not for this reason any less part of the body. You can tell God all day, I'm just not very useful. I'm not very important. I'm not very significant. I can't see how my life would make a difference. It doesn't make you any less. It doesn't give you any less potential to be that person God wants you to be. God's saying, oh, yes, you can. God's saying, oh, yes, you will. God's saying, yes, you could. You can say all you want. No, I'm not. He says, R2, R not, R2. Guess who gets the last word? God. R2, infinity. He won. Have you ever felt like that, though? Well, I know God loves me. I know God has a plan for me, but I'm not near as good as... You fill in your blank, right? We've all got somebody we're comparing with, don't we? I'm not near as good as such and such. So my part must really not be that important. Do you know there's a Greek word for all this? It's called baloney. <laughs> now I try to clean up my pronunciation. I know it's bologna. But sometimes you use artistic license for emphasis. Baloney sounds better. That's what it is. In fact, these verses make it clear if you're a foot and you're comparing with a hand... Or you're an ear and you're comparing with an eye. Let's just think about it for just a minute. If the whole body were just that one organ or that one person or that one certain type of giftedness that you are comparing with, it would not be what? It would not be a body. It would not be complete. It would be a big hand or be a big eye, a big organ, not a full living organism. In fact, don't we think it's gross when organs are on their own? I mean, have you seen that commercial? It's gross. I, I can't remember what it's about. I think it might be about smoking or something. They show body parts in garbage cans. I flipped it. I don't see that. I don't see body parts. That's gross, isn't it? Arms are supposed to be right here, aren't they? Attached to something. They're not supposed to be out on their own. They're not supposed to be one thing by themselves. They're not enough is what 
Creation even teaches us. What is God saying? His body will not be the same without you. In fact, if a bunch of other people, if the rest of us approach it the way you are, in other words, if we say only hands are good or only eyes are good, we will never see the body the way God created it to be. Have you thought about that? God's work will not be the same without you. It will not look right. It will look deformed or it will look off in some way. It will look crippled in some way. Again, you know what breaks my heart to realize? Some of you have had so much negative, have had so many lies from hell pumped into you that it's hard for you to believe God's truth. But I hope as hard as it is for you to believe that you'll begin to receive what God is telling you. You have something important to offer to this world. Not in and of yourself. We're going to see that here in just a minute. Not in and of yourself, but by God's grace. And literally, we've learned about the gifts. By God's grace, He gives us the ability to make a contribution that is significant. And I want to challenge you, even though you may be struggling with that, would you begin to move a half step in that direction today? Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't believe that God could truly use your life or work through you in some kind of significant kind of way. But would you begin to move towards maybe? Maybe, God, I believe, like the guy said, maybe I believe, help my unbelief. Would you say that today? I want to believe, God. I'm not there yet. And there's something else that's clear in these verses. God has done this, not you. So listen to me. Now, this helped me when I began to realize this in my life. This is very important. When you begin to say, I could never be a person who could make a difference, you are saying more about God than you are about yourself. You are saying, when God made me, He made a mistake. He messed up. Put this one together wrong. I should be, like on, what is it, uh, uh, Rudolph, in the land of the misfits, right? But you know what? God doesn't make any mistakes. You are not a mistake. Now, you you may have... Let me spit it out. You may have... (laughs) I just made a mistake. You may have made a mistake, but God's made provision for that even, hasn't He? You are not a mistake. You may have failed. You may have weaknesses. You may have struggles. You may have done wrong in your life. That's called sin. And we have to own up to that. We have to say, God... For, for my part, the part that the choices that I've made, the direction that I've gone that have been against you, whether intentional or whether unintentional, God, I ask you to forgive me. I don't like it. I don't want it. Please wash it away through Christ. That's what the gospel is about. Your sins can be forgiven. Your part, God's already taken care of that even. He knew me and you were going to mess up. And so he sent Jesus to pay the price for those sins. If you'll receive his gift, he will wash your sins away and then He will do His work through you. Regardless of what anyone has told you, you are most certainly not a mistake. You know what? Some people long to hear that today, don't you? Because your parents have told you, we didn't plan you. We didn't expect you. We didn't want you. We wanted a girl. We got a boy. We wanted a a boy, and we got a girl. Or or we wanted this, we wanted that, and we got you. You know what? You're going to have to let God sort all that out. But you know what? God says that's just simply not true. And His work will not be the same if you're not a part of it. He says in Ephesians 2 verse 10, it's His job, it's His work. For we are His workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Are you beginning to get the picture? Ephesians basically puts it like this. God has a plan. I just need to cooperate with the plan. It's not that I need to come up with a plan. Do you see the difference? So many Christians come to God and then try to make it happen. You know what? All I need to do is let it happen is allow God. And that doesn't mean I just go limp and lay here on the floor and ask God to pick me up. He's giving me a brain too, right? But, but as I'm living this life, I can grow into the pattern that God has already designed me for. That sets me free. Today I just live and walk and be who God wants me to be. Others need that. Other people need your spiritual gifts, but along with that, number two in verses 21 through 26, you need the spiritual gifts of others. While there are many people today who think they're not very important, the reality is there are right now, and there always have been, people who think their lives are the most important. They're God's gift to mankind. They're indispensable. Their opinions, their thoughts, their viewpoints, their agendas, their contributions, they wouldn't tell you because it doesn't look right to act that way. Sometimes they do tell you. But they, would, they, they have a sense that they're most important above anyone else. Actually, that is one of the many problems that the Corinthians had. It was one of their core issues. The Corinthians appeared spiritual, but actually, underneath there, they were very proud. They thought they were hot stuff spiritually. <laughs> I meet Christians like this sometimes. They're proud of how humble they are. You ever met anybody like that? <laughs> I just thank God for all the humility He's bringing in my life. Well, I see it right there. They're thankful to God that they're not like other people. They feel sorry for people who aren't as close to God as them. Now, they find creative ways of saying that. They're not surprised when they're asked to teach a Bible study because, obviously, they're growing in their relationship with God and, and they have a lot to share with other people. No matter how you dress it up or try to spiritualize it, pride never looks good in front of God. It just doesn't. Proverbs 16, verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction. And a haughty spirit, a look at me, a puffed upness, I think is a good way of the, of the Bible picture, a proud chest goes before stumbling. You know, I've met many Christians who say they can't find a church. Now, the reality is, many times <clears throat> it is difficult to find a good church. But you know what? Many times it's because there's not one good enough for them. They want a perfect pastor with perfect people, people who think, who dress, who act just like they do. Or sometimes they have so much to offer, they think, why should I limit myself to you people? I mean, I should spread it around. Now listen, you think I'm joking. When we first started New Hope, we were in need of somebody to lead our music. In desperate need almost. I mean, we really needed that. This guy came in, I could almost picture him on his white horse. You know, came in, and he was Mr. Everything. I mean, he had been Mr. So-and-so in another part of the country and, and all that had stuff published. I mean, he just was great. But he knew he was great. And he told me, you guys need help, and I can give it. And I said, well, let's just back off just a second. 
Let's talk about your life. Let's talk about what God's doing in your life. Well, I travel around. I said, where's your home church? Well, you know, I, I, I feel like I need to kind of share my gifts and abilities with lots of different churches. I'm gifted musically, and, and that's kind of my thing. But you know what? When I began to ask him about a church family, he couldn't tell me where his church was. When I began to say to him, well, well, well let's first of all talk about not what you can do, but is God calling you to this church family? After that conversation, I never saw him again. He didn't want the accountability of a family. He didn't really want to mess with us. He didn't, really, he didn't care what you're gifted with. He didn't need that. He was Lone Ranger. Right in. Save the day. You know what? In a few weeks, I guarantee you, he would have rode off and gone to another place and done something else. You know, it's no wonder many Christians feel like they have nothing to offer because some Christians give the impression they're the only thing going. So Paul says in verse 21, None of us can say, I'm good, without all you guys. In verse 21, he says, And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow or we clothe more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked. Honestly, sometimes I don't want to have you involved in my life. It's too much trouble. I got enough problems. I got enough issues. I don't need to add other people. I have a tough life. I have a hectic life. Amen, anybody? I don't need to add more to my schedule. I don't need more relationships. I don't know, need more stuff to deal with. Or you know what? Sometimes I don't like having you in my life because you bring to light things that I'd rather not think about. You expose things in me that if I was hiding out on my own, I'd never have to deal with. Now, it may be verbalized or it may be just watching your example, but being around you people <laughs> makes my heart my life difficult. But whether I acknowledge it or not, God's Word tells me I need you. Now, I can tell you, if I'm really honest, I'm glad I have you. My life is better as a result of you being in my life. In fact, for those spiritually proud people, let's just say for a moment that who you are in Christ is prettier than the rest of us. It's better than the rest of us. That it's, that it's really important. You know what? God has this way of kind of turning things around. You ever notice that? This first shall be last, last shall be first thing. Remember that somewhere in Scripture? Okay. Maybe, if you really want to be hot stuff to God, maybe you should choose something a little less fancy because God turns it around. Do you see verses 22 through 25? He talks about three aspects of the human body that maybe normally would not be as presentable as other aspects. Did you see the three parts? He said, first of all, he talked about weaker parts. He says, on the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Many Bible students believe that that's talking about probably like the internal organs. Though they're kept inside, though they're normally not looked at, wouldn't you say uh, your heart's kind of hard to do without? Okay, you don't go around with pictures of your heart. Look at my heart. Isn't it pretty? Isn't it cute? I just love to show off my heart. No, but I like mine and I need to take care of it. It's pretty special to me. I.e., I can't live without it. That's how important it is. It appears to be less 
desirable to look at, but it certainly is not insignificant, is it? Then he talks about less honorable parts. This could be any number of things, but let's just go with feet. Okay? What about feet? Many people do not consider their feet to be their best feature. So what do they do? What does he say? It's an interesting word that he uses here. He says, And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. That word actually means to clothe. You see the picture here? I mean, what do ladies do with their feet? They paint their toenails, put on a little ankle bracelet, or, or put on some sandals, or guys, cover them up and wear some nice shoes. Please. <laughs> Can't smell them as much if they're tied up. Then he talks about less presentable parts. He's probably talking about the private places on our body. Those private places are treated as special. They're treated with respect or modesty or with care. We take them from being unpresentable to dressing them up and making those parts at the least look modest and respectable and even in the right context, very attractive. So watch this. Some parts of the body might be more visible. They might be more naturally acceptable. But in a weird turn of events, those parts of the body that that are not as naturally presentable, because of their very nature, get a little bit more attention. They get prettier clothes. They get dressed up. They get pampered. So many times, what we would naturally think is more important, and by the way, usually because of outward appearances... Isn't that the way we work? What we would think is more important, many times God turns things around and makes the less important looking actually to become the most critical and eventually the most honored. Let me tell you about somebody that you will probably never meet. Her name is Miss Trudy. Miss Trudy is a godly woman who I can almost guarantee you when I met her about 14 years ago, I can almost guarantee you that she has prayed for me every day since I met her. She writes me once a year, writes our family once a year. She calls periodically on the phone. Right now, Miss Trudy is dying, right as we speak. But I have a feeling she's got something pretty special waiting from God. You probably won't ever know her until heaven. But how much has Miss Trudy impacted the work of New Hope Community Church? I have a feeling a great deal. And the way God's Word teaches us, her reward might be a lot more than those who are a lot more visible in this church family right now. On her deathbed right now, I wonder if she wonders, has my life ever made an impact? But in God's economy of things, she might have made the most significant impact by being in her little room for the last 12 years, living her life, out the last days of her life, praying for this young man named Robbie Langford and this church called New Hope Community Church. Isn't that awesome? And I'm not just saying that. I believe with all my heart. Verses 25 to 26 close out the point here in these verses. It says, So that there may be no division, there against the unity, no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. You see in God's Word, there is no preference. There is no partiality. Every single part is critical. Some are more visible, others are less, but all are connected and they are critical. In verse 26, it says, And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, 
all the members rejoice with it. We are a team. We are a body. We are a family. We are connected. When you hurt, I hurt. When you're doing well, I am doing well. Is what the Bible's teaching. What is God trying to say to us? There's a lot of principles in these verses. Let me just pull out a few. First of all, listen, friend, there are no ugly ducklings in God's work. Isn't that neat? You are specially made by God, and you have a contribution to make. We need you to do God's work in your life and around us. If you're not, we will miss part of what God is doing. Ephesians 4 verse 16 says God wants every ligament, every joint to be working. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10 says if you have a spiritual gift, don't waste it. You should be using your spiritual gift. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 14, don't neglect your spiritual gift. Don't waste it, Timothy. Don't keep it from being unused. There's no ugly ducklings. We need you to be involved. I want to see Jesus in all of His glory. And according to these verses, those people that might tend to think they're the ugly duckling might be the most honorable pieces of the body. And so, is it possible that many churches never see Jesus in all of who He is because many of those people sit back and don't fulfill their role? We won't be. I'm telling you, we will not be who God wants us to be without you, friend. But also, God's teaching us there are no lone rangers with silver bullets riding in to save the day. You might be gifted, but you need others in your life. You might think what you do is great, but don't miss out on what others, other people God wants to work through. Sometimes things may not look too glorious, but they might be some of the best things God ever did. I also believe God's teaching us to be careful about our tendency to judge by outward appearance. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. God was looking for a king. The people had found their king. His name was Saul. He was a great king material, but he didn't work out so hot. God said, okay, you've had your chance. Let me look for mine. So when God sends his servant Samuel to the house of Jesse, they bring in that first son And uh, they look at that first son, they say, man, this has got to be the one. The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. We need to see stuff in people that they don't see in themselves or maybe that nobody else has ever seen in them. We need to be careful about looking at those outward appearances. God uses weak things. God uses broken things. God uses things that we would not normally notice. First Corinthians, God was trying to teach these Corinthians that. In 1 Corinthians 1, 27, he says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before God. Remember what I said earlier? Pride never looks right in front of God. You might be great, but the only reason you can be great is because you realize who gives you that ability. No matter who we are. Something else these verses teach me is that we need our church family. We need each other. And you know what the Bible says? You know what some people start thinking? I'm so strong now I can make it on my own. 
Well, I don't know who they are and what world they're living in, but I'm not there yet. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, we don't need each other less and less as the day of Christ comes near, as the world gets more challenging, as my life expands and grows, I need you more. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some. Even in Bible times, there were people who thought, I don't need to be a part of a church family. He says, don't do that, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Man, you guys don't leave me, okay? I need y'all. I need you to be a part of my life. I need to be connected with you. I will never find and fulfill God's purpose for me. And there's some things that God wants to do in your life through me that you'll never be able to experience if we don't stay tight. Isn't that what we've heard through all these verses? We've got to stay close. We've got to stay together. We've got to stay connected. Oh, by the way, as you're getting connected, though, don't forget, you're still pretty neat, different varieties of people. So don't lose that. But stay together. Stay united. What is God saying to you? through these messages. Next time we're going to look at some individual, the lists of spiritual gifts. And, and, and you know what? I know y'all expected me to start with that. Isn't that the way we are? Just tell me the gifts and then I'll run, right? Now we need to understand how to use things before we start having those things, right? How many of you just get a car and take off? No. You have to get some training, get some equipping, get some perspective on this thing that you're using. That's what we've been doing the last few weeks. So what has God been doing in your heart through that? What has He opened up in your heart through this series on spiritual gifts? Whatever it is, I want to ask you right now to consider it and to obey it right now. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the song that Jeff sang just a few moments ago. And Lord, there may be somebody here today that needed to hear that they can have significance, that they most certainly have value, that you gave your life, Lord Jesus, for them. You were publicly beaten and humiliated. You left heaven to come to earth. Lord, you did that because you love them. And Lord, I'm so sorry that nobody's ever told them that. Or maybe nobody's ever modeled that for them or nobody's ever taught them that. Jesus, today I pray that you've opened up their heart, their understanding today, that they would realize and accept and receive the gift of salvation. I'm so thankful, Jesus, when I was 12 years old, somebody told me that you came to be my Savior. You opened up my heart and I received that gift. And I pray today that somebody here would cry out with that same prayer, Dear Lord God, I know I need you. I know I have failed to fulfill your purpose. I'm a sinner but I ask you to come into my heart. I don't want to do my way anyway, anymore, Lord. I want, to, I want you to lead my life, to save me, to give me all that I need to be, have to be your servant. Others of us here today, God, are at different stages in that spiritual growth. And you're speaking, God. You're, you're wanting to, I believe, uncork this church family to open us up, God. I thank you for the precious servants who are here. I thank you for how they've served and they've grown. But God, there's more. And I pray that you're using your word in a fresh way in somebody's life today. 
Lord, help us to never limit what God can do if we'll just trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Is God wanting to open up something in your life today? You know what's the neat thing about Christ? When you come to Him, there's no more. It's not like installment plans. You got a little bit of Jesus, be real good, you get a little bit more. You know what? You have complete access to Jesus Christ and all that He is. It's just that sometimes He doesn't have complete access of you and me, right? He's already wrapped presents. He wants us to open them. Are you ready to open that next piece of God's puzzle for your life this morning? You may not even know what it is, but you're just saying, yes, God. You just want to get on your knees and pray just before Him and before others. God, I'm serious. I'm listening. I'm paying attention. Maybe you need to receive Christ, whatever it is. You can make that decision right where you are, or if you need some help, I'll be down front.